Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, part of the Edge Sports family. If you're listening now, then I'm guessing you made it to your fantasy championship games, so congratulations. I'll do my best to help you uh, take home your titles um, by going team by team to give you my favorite waiver wire pickups for both shallow and deep leagues. I'll get that started by reviewing last Thursday's game between the Jets and Ravens. Le'Veon Bell made it back for this game and carried the ball 21 times for 87 yards, also caught a pass uh, on two targets. He clearly didn't face any disciplinary action for bowling last Saturday night uh, before sitting out Sunday's game with the flu, so that just ended up being, I guess, a funny little story. I still think it's a bit of a question mark whether he'll be back with the Jets next season, but I think for Week week 16, you can trust him. Meanwhile, Bilal Powell, the player who started for Bell in Week 15 with the flu, Uh, He ended up missing Week 16's game with an ankle injury. Right now, it's unclear he'll return for Week 16, but you probably wouldn't be starting him anyway with Bell active. And also, Demarius Thomas, the receiver, missed the Week week 15 game with a hamstring injury. Also unclear if he'll return in Week 16. I think Robbie Anderson's the primary outside receiver. You'd be starting for the Jets, if anybody. Meanwhile, Jamison Crowder caught six balls for 90 yards and two touchdowns on 11 targets against the Ravens. That led the team by five. A little bit of a surprise here, given that the Ravens had previously been top 10 in DVOA against every receiver grouping. But Crowder has been kind of a sneaky, successful fantasy player this season, in particular with Sam Darnold at quarterback. With Darnold, he's averaging 5.3 catches, 57 yards, and 0.45 touchdowns per game. That prorates to 84 catches, 919 yards, and 7.3 touchdowns over a full 16 season game uh, weeks of games. So I think... You know, from a PPR type of league, I think Crowder is in the flex consideration, and I think you could probably use him as such in Week 16 against the Steelers. The Steelers overall have a really strong DVOA pass defense, just one spot behind the Ravens in the top five, but the Steelers are actually 30th in DVOA defense against other and slot receivers. So it seems like a matchup where maybe Crowder would do better uh, than, than even Robbie Anderson on the outside. So Crowder may be a sneaky start for you in your fantasy title games. For the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, uh, he was dealing with an injured quad, but played and obviously played extremely well, completing 15 of 23 passes for 212 yards and five touchdowns, also running the ball eight times for 86 yards. So, I mean, he's the number one quarterback. He's going to be fine in week 16. I think the only concern you really have for Jackson at this point is if you play in a league where you have fantasy games in week 17, the Ravens may end up locking up the number one seed this week, in which case he'll probably rest in week 17. And so if you're in that type of league, you might actually go ahead and start planning. You may want to look at Robert Griffin, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and possibly even Hayden Hurst as options for you in Week 17. Now, obviously, they're not going to be exceptional options if Lamar Jackson isn't playing. But just if you're looking for some some deeper league options that maybe can help you out in a week that's going to be a little bit weird, those may be some options for you. And in the meantime, Mark Andrews, another player that was dealing with an injury, his to his knee. He was fine on Thursday as well, catching four for 52 and a touchdown on seven targets, which led the team. So I don't have any concerns about Andrews this week for your fantasy title games either. Next up, we have the Patriots at Bengals. Sonny Michel, I've been concerned with him for a lot of the season. He's averaging just 3.6 yards for carry and has a rushing DVOA of negative 9.4% for the season. But he did take advantage of a Bengals matchup that's very favorable for, for running attacks. The Bengals are number 28 in DVOA run defense. And Michelle ran for 4.7 yards per carry against them. 19 total carries, 89 total yards. Didn't score a touchdown, but did catch a pass at 14 yards. I think that means Michelle may be back to being a safe option, although probably still just a flex option this week against the Bills. 
The Bills are a different kind of matchup, but they still probably favor the run. The Bills are number 17 in DVOA run defense versus number five in DVOA pass defense. So I'd expect the Patriots to try to rely a little bit more heavily on Michelle in the running attack this week than the passing game. And then among the passing game options at this point, Mohamed Sanu is still trying to get worked in here. Just two catches for 13 yards, but did have eight targets and played 86% of the offensive snaps. So he's clearly the number two receiver, I think, at this point behind Julian Edelman. And then rookie and kill Harry, I think, is clearly the number three option, kind of a little bit out of nowhere. But two catches for 15 yards and a touchdown on four targets this week, not really much there either. But he played 58% of the offensive snaps versus just 14% for Philip Dorsett and 11% for Jacoby Myers. So at this point, Dorsett and Myers are very droppable. Harry, maybe somebody in your deeper formats that you could rely on. I think probably more of a DFS flyer than anything else. Although, again, against the Bills, that's probably not a great situation to take that risk. For the Bengals, a couple points here. Joe Mixon, 25 carries for 136 yards, another really nice day here. He's actually averaged 17.6 PPR points per game since week, uh, week 10. That's the sixth highest at the position, basically, over the second half of the season. So at this point, even though the Bengals aren't doing very well as a whole, I think you can trust Mixon as a, a running back, too, at the worst in your, in your championship games. John Ross, uh, a couple games back now from his his uh, injury that landed him on injured reserve, still just three catches for 24 yards on three targets. He played just 38% of the offensive snaps this week. I just don't think he's fully back and integrated yet, so it's unwise to start him in your fantasy championship games. And then finally, A.J. Green uh, didn't play in Week 15, and the news coming out today is that he actually flew up and saw Dr. Robert Anderson, the foot specialist, on Monday. No update on what exactly that led to, but I think it's clear at this point that Green isn't going to play again this season, so you can go ahead and drop him in any of your redraft formats. Next up, we have the Seahawks at Panthers. Chris Carson, I think we all knew this could be a really big game for him. It was 24 carries, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. The Panthers are just the best running back matchup in football, and it's not really close. They're number 32 in DVOA defense against the run, and they increased rushing yards per attempt by 22%, the most in football, and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 148%, by far the most in football. With Rashad Penny out, uh, Carson got pretty much all the work. C.J. Procise and Travis Homer played just 16 total snaps behind them. So Carson, an obvious running back one at this point, although clearly won't have the Panthers to play again this next week. Um, Otherwise, for the Seahawks, Josh Gordon ended up getting suspended indefinitely for violating the the league substance abuse policy again, Uh, but he was already trailing Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in in the team's pecking order, so I don't think he had any fantasy uh, interest at this point, and I don't think his absence is going to boost up anyone like Malik Turner behind him. I just think Lockett and Metcalf are the two wide receivers you're relying on in this offense. And then Jacob Hollister, he's kind of fallen off a little bit of late, hasn't scored a touchdown since November the 11th. But I think he's a must-pick-up and start this week at home against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are the best matchup for tight ends in football. Number 32 in DVOA defense against the position, allowing 75 yards per game to the position. So I think Hollister is definitely going to be in my top 10 among tight ends this week. Last week was a little bit tricky. You weren't you weren't really able to take advantage of the Cardinals matchup because David Njoku was a last-minute um, healthy and active for a coaching decision. But even his backup, Ricky Sills-Jones, called two touchdowns against this defense. I mean, Hollister is somebody that can definitely swing fantasy championships this week. For the Panthers, I think the the major news here is probably that Will Greer is going to get the start for the team in Week 16. Uh, He's a rookie, I think, from a third-round selection from 2019. Kyle Allen just hasn't really gotten the job done. Has had real difficulty uh, keeping control of the ball. 
He had three interceptions and a fumble this last week and has 15 interceptions and seven fumbles since week eight. That's eight total games. Uh, So after that initial bump when he had some early success, it's just kind of gone downhill. One thing of note here, though, is that Allen has also taken 45 sacks on the season. That's one behind Kyler Murray for the most in football, despite playing two fewer games. The Panthers allow pressure on 30.3% of their dropbacks, which is 21st in football, according to Sports Info Solutions charting. So I would say it could be a tough sledding here for Greer if he's seeing that kind of pressure too. And just based on the limited time that I saw Greer play in the preseason, I'm going to say he's probably a major downgrade for the Panthers passing options like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Even though Allen had trouble holding onto the ball, he could make all the throws. And I'm, I'm skeptical that Greer can do the same. So downgrade Moore and Samuel for this week and possibly even Christian McCaffrey. Although that's said, Christian McCaffrey, he's going to be a really interesting case over the final two weeks. He's up to 2,121 yards from scrimmage this season, and so he would need to average 194.5 scrimmage yards per game over his last two games to set the single-season record over Chris Johnson. So I haven't seen any indication right now whether the, Pan- the Panthers are going to try to emphasize McCaffrey to get-, get him that record or whether they might instead start to rest him a little bit just to keep him fresher for next season when hopefully they'll have a better roster. Something to keep an eye on. Hopefully they won't rest him if you're relying on him in your fantasy uh, title games. But remote possibility that he could actually set the all-time scrimmage yards record. Otherwise, for the Panthers, Chris Hogan returned from injured reserve um, from his knee injury this week, had one catch for 13 yards on three targets. He doesn't have any fantasy relevance. Ian Thomas, just two catches for 23 yards on four targets, so not as good a game in his second game substituting for Greg Olson. Meanwhile, Olson cleared concussion protocol on Monday, so I expect him to return in Week 16, although we'll keep an eye on the news there because it's it's not a given, given that, this again, this Panther season is, is obviously over with at this point. Next up, Buccaneers at Lions. Jameis Winston, another incredible fantasy day, 28-42 of 42 for 458 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. He did that without Mike Evans and did that despite the fact that Chris Godwin got hurt in the third quarter suffering a hamstring injury. It seems likely that Godwin, like Evans, is going to be done for the rest of the season. Scotty Miller, the slot receiver, also suffered a hamstring injury and could be out next week. And so that's going to probably leave you with just Brashad Perryman and Justin Watson among the notable receivers on the team for next week. Perryman is the one that had the obviously much better fantasy day this last week, 113 yards and three touchdowns, but that came on just six targets, so he wasn't getting a ton of work necessarily. Watson had two uh, catches for 17 yards on two targets himself. Perryman of the two played more, 89% of the offensive snaps versus 56% for Watson, but Watson so far this season has the better DVOA, 14.5% versus 7% for Perryman, although Watson on many fewer targets. So I'd say both of these guys could potentially be productive. You know, given that Evans and Godwin were kind of a -a whack-a-mole situation for fantasy production, that's probably going to be the case for Perryman and Watson, as long as they're the two guys. So, you know, as Flyers, I think you could probably start either option for you in Week 16. Watson is probably going to be a lot less expensive in your deeper fantasy leagues, though, because, you know, Perryman with the three touchdowns last week, I think people are going to jump on him, thinking he's the more obvious replacement for, for Godwin and Evans. For the Lions... A Wes Hills running back promoted from the practice squad ended up leading this backfield in touches. 10 carries for 21 yards, not great production, but two rushing touchdowns. He took 10 of the team's 13 running back carries. Um, although Hills did have fewer offensive snaps than Ty Johnson, 36% versus 45%. Clearly the Lions don't like to rely on Johnson as a running back. And it kind of makes some sense with this efficiency. Negative 13.3% rushing DVOA this season. So I guess I'm going to expect the same from Hills this week as the primary early down back. Johnson getting a little bit more work out of the backfield as a receiver. And kind of ditto for, for J.D. McKissick at this point. 
Although, keep an eye as well on Bo Scarborough. He was inactive for this week because of a rib, rib injury, but if he comes back for week 16, I assume he'll take this job back. Whoever ends up starting, I, I don't think I'm going to want to start him in your shallow fantasy formats in any case. On the road in Denver, it's kind of a tough matchup. The Broncos are just 15th in DVA against the run, but they cut rushing yards per attempt by 11% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 23%. So a, probably a worse fantasy matchup for running backs than it is for actual running backs in real life. So I'm not going to really want to start Hills or Scarborough, whichever one plays. I will be eager, eager to start Danny Amendola. He had eight catches, 102 yards on 13 targets this week. That was six more than anyone else on the team. And while he's had a handful of big starts throughout the season for the Lions, I think back in week one, maybe in week six and seven as well, to me, this one felt sustainable because without Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall, or T.J. Hawkinson in the lineup, Amendola is one of really just two trustworthy receivers that David Blow can rely on. So I think that Amendola is going to probably continue to see a hefty volume of targets in this offense Even with a third-string quarterback in there, I think you can trust him as a flex option, potentially even in shallow formats. Next up, we have the Bears at Packers. Mitchell Trubisky, 29 for 53 for 334 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Also carried the ball four times for 29 yards. Over the last four games, believe it or not, he's averaged uh, 298.5 passing yards per game. So obviously a huge rebound from his early season struggles. Although that said, I think matchups did have a lot to do with this. Those four games took place against the Giants, Lions, Cowboys, and Packers. The Giants increased passing yards per attempt by 12%. The Lions increased pass plays by 7% and passing yards per attempt by 8%. The Cowboys increased passing yards per attempt by 2%. And the Packers increased passing yards per attempt by 13%. So at least for passing yards, these were all four plus matchups. Meanwhile, Trubisky won't draw a plus matchup in Week 16 at home against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs decreased passing yards per attempt by 7%. So I would say that if the, the recent uptick in production has you maybe eager to start Trubisky in your, in your shallow formats or potentially even your deeper formats, I would say probably look elsewhere this week in your fantasy title games. That said, I think you can with confidence start Anthony Miller. He had nine more catches for 118 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets, which led the team and has 52 targets over his last five games. Since week 11, he's actually averaged 17.6 PPR points per game, just 13th most at the position. And while he's probably benefiting to a certain extent from the same plus matchups that have helped Trubisky play well, the fact that Miller is really kind of the only other option in the passing game uh, behind Allen Robinson with Taylor Gabriel still out from his second concussion means I think you can rely on Miller with a little bit more confidence than you would have in Trubisky at this point, even in your worst matchups. Next up, we have Texans at Titans. I think the bigger thing here is that Will Fuller returned from his injury. Uh, Five catches for 61 yards on seven targets. Kenny Stills is the one that actually caught a pair of touchdowns but saw just three targets. So I think it's pretty clear that Fuller remains the number two wide receiver option for the Texans. He played 94% of the offensive snaps versus 62% for Stills. And I think that actually is going to make Fuller a very sneaky, attractive fantasy option in shallow formats in Week 16 while he's playing the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay on Saturday. The Bucks are number 22 in DVOA defense against numbers two receivers, so bottom third in football. And the Bucks actually increased pass plays by 19%, the most in football, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 27%, fifth most. I think the odds are pretty good that Fuller breaks a really big catch for a touchdown this week, and so it could be a really nice option for you and also a really attractive DFS play. Probably a little bit more consistent of a fantasy option at this point, rookie wide receiver A.J. Brown for the Titans. He had eight more catches for 114 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets this week, which led the Titans by seven. He played 91% of the offensive snaps versus just 76% for Corey Davis. 
So I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's the Titans' number one guy. He's had 447 yards and four touchdowns over the last four games, making him the number two PPR receiver in that time behind only Michael Thomas. Somebody, really, I think you can justify as maybe a top 10 receiver in in true talent at this point. His efficiency certainly backs up that trend. Brown has a a 24.8% DVOA this season, which is second best among rookie receivers behind McCole Hardman. Somebody I think you can really rely on in your fantasy formats at this point. I want to say the same about Jonu Smith, but I don't think I quite believe it. He had a nice fantasy day here with 60 uh, 60 yards on five catches and also one carry for 57 yards. Kind of an oddity there for a tight end, but he really showed off the skill set that I think is going to make him an attractive tight end in fantasy in the future. He actually had two plays this week where he ran for more than 20 miles per hour and recorded two of the five fastest plays by a tight end all season, according to the next-gen stats. Smith actually has a 15.1% DVOA this season that's identical to Travis Kelsey, but he just isn't seeing the same consistent workload. I mean, prior to this week in this this little outburst, Smith had just 81 yards total over the previous four games. So I think he's he's definitely a risky play for you in week 17 or in week 16. But that said, from a long-term perspective, I think Smith is very, very valuable. Right now, Delaney Walker is under contract next season and has indicated that he doesn't want to retire. But I think he might be a candidate to be released. That would save the Titans about $7 million in cap space. And given that they have a backup like Smith, who has, uh, I think, a really bright future, that might make sense to reallocate that money in, in other ways with, with Walker being as old as he is. So my guess is that I'm going to rank Smith as a top 12 tight end at the start of next season. But I don't think you can consider him that in week 16, given the other options across the league and given the lack of consistency he's seen in terms of his target share. Okay, next up, Broncos Chiefs. Drew Locke, after two really nice games to start his career, didn't fare as well this week. 18 for 40 for 208 yards, no touchdowns and one interception. Part of that's probably the Chiefs matchup, but I think probably more of it was the fact that this game was a snow game, uh, something that unfortunately wasn't forecasted as of last Thursday. But snow games tend to dramatically cut team pass attempts and passing success. So it's not really that much of a surprise that Locke didn't do well here and the Broncos didn't do super great here in general. Although that said, Patrick Mahomes... 27 of 34 for 340 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. He was quite fine with the snow, and I've yet to sort of encounter a context that Mahomes doesn't excel at and, frankly, break a lot of the, the passing trends that you would expect. So obviously you're going to roll with Mahomes next week and every week. I don't think you can say the same about the Chiefs running game at this point. Darwin Thompson, someone that I had a lot of optimism for when he got worked in two weeks ago, he's just kind of been mired in a time split here. He had nine total touches on the day and, and led the, the team in, in yardage, but Spencer Ware had nine touches as well, and LaShawn McCoy had six. Darwin Thompson played 35% of the offensive snaps versus 40% for Ware and 25% for McCoy. So pretty even split among the three players, making all of them unattractive fantasy options at this point. Not sure if Damian Williams is going to return in Week 16. He missed Week 15 with his rib injury, but he did practice on Wednesday prior to sitting out Friday's practice. So he may be trending in the right direction. But even if Williams plays, I wouldn't start him either. He's probably going to be stuck in a timeshare with some of these guys too. There's just too much going on here to rely on any one of them. I think you're relying more on Mahomes in the passing attack than the running attack for the Chiefs at this point. Okay, next up, Dolphins at Giants. Patrick Laird, I thought this was going to be a really attractive matchup against the Giants who increase run plays a lot, but Laird ended up in more of a time split here than I think I expected based on the previous results. Laird had 12 carries for 46 yards, two catches for eight yards on five targets, but fellow rookie Miles Gaskin had nine carries for 43 yards and two catches for 29 yards on three targets. Each played an identical 48% of the offensive snaps. 
given that a lot more even workload split there, I don't think you can really rely on either back uh, in in, the, in week 16 for your title games. Instead, go back to relying on Devontae Parker in the passing game. Despite suffering a concussion the previous week, he played this week and had four catches, 72 yards, and two touchdowns on seven targets. He's actually averaged 17.2 PPR points per game since Ryan Fitzpatrick took over a quarterback in week seven. That's ninth best at the position. And so I think you can more or less trust Parker as a, as a wide receiver one over the rest of the season. Meanwhile, Albert Wilson, another player that suffered a concussion the previous week, played in this week as well. So I think they're back to being the top two receiver choices for the team. I think Parker is the one you want in fantasy. For the Giants, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Golden Tate all played together again this week with various levels of success, but they all played between 56% and 79% of the team's offensive snaps. So I think at this point, you can count on all three of them being in the lineup together. Uh, There may be a kind of a -a whack-a-mole situation here in terms of who does well each week, but I think they're all getting enough volume that you could start them with some relative confidence in your championship games. Uh, Unlike that, I think Evan Ingram may be somebody you don't want to trust. He failed to return for his sixth straight game with a foot injury. Unclear right now if he'll return in week 16, but even if he does, I'm not sure I would want to trust him right out of the gate. Next up, we have Eagles at Redskins. Miles Sanders with Jordan Howard still out um, with his shoulder injury. Sanders had 19 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown on the ground, plus six catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown in the air on six targets. And he's really turned it around in particular as a runner this season. Over the first eight weeks, he had a negative 19.2% rushing DVOA. And since then, from weeks 9 to 15, 5.8% DVOA um, as a rusher. He was already doing exceptionally well as a receiver. And now he looks like a complete back and an RB1, frankly, with Jordan Howard out. I think you can really rely on him this week. I would, I would follow the news, however, with Howard. I think there's a chance that he's going to play in week 16. Doug Peterson's been a little bit cagey, but keeps indicating that he's improving. Um, and it's possible that he'll end up playing this week. Even if he does, I think in your deeper formats, you could maybe rely on Boston Scott too. He's really carved out a role, kind of a Darren Sproles type of role for a Darren Sproles type of body of a player. He had six carries for 26 yards this week, but more importantly for fantasy, seven catches for 39 yards on seven targets. He's actually had 13 catches the last two weeks. So I think in your deeper PPR formats, Scott may continue to get that Sproles workload, even if there are three backs involved in the backfield here. It may be a little bit safer to rely on Greg Ward, the receiver. He had a really nice breakout performance here with seven catches for 61 yards, caught the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter. He also had nine targets, seven more than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and Arcega-Whiteside was the only other wide receiver on the team with a target at all. The the Eagles really relied a lot more heavily on their tight ends and their running backs um, with with their targets, given that they've had so many injuries at wide receiver. I think that makes a lot of sense. That said, just because Ward is one of the two primary wide receivers involved here. I don't think you should get too, too optimistic about him at this point. He actually played less than Arcega Whiteside did, 75% of the offensive snaps versus 92% for Arcega Whiteside. He also continued to play special teams. And while he was very efficient this game with a 13.9% receiving DVOA, he had a negative 47.5% DVOA in weeks 12 through 14. It's possible this was just a really good game rather than a breakout game indicative of future performances. So I would probably want to see more from Ward before I put him in my fantasy lineups, and obviously you won't have that chance, given that this is the final week of, of most players' fantasy seasons. For the Redskins, uh, with Darius Geist now out for the rest of the season, Adrian Peterson kind of bounced back to his RB2 slash flex type of uh, role here. 16 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 25 yards on three targets. 
I expect that kind of line for him going forward. He actually might do a little bit better than that in Week 16 at home against the Giants because the Giants increase their opponent's run plays by 15%, which is the fourth most in football. Maybe Peterson can get over 20 carries and be an RB2 for you next week. Um, among the receivers, Trey Quinn missed his second game here with a concussion. Unclear if he's going to play in Week 16, but Steven Sims did well in his absence. Five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. That led the team by six targets. So Sims may be somebody in your deeper formats you can trust. But I would double-check that Quinn isn't back. I think there's a possibility he'll return in Week 16 and take that job back over. Okay, next up we have the Jaguars at Raiders. Uh, with DJ Chark missing this game, Keelan Cole and Chris Conley were your major beneficiaries. Uh, Cole had three catches for 76 yards on six targets, led the team in yardage. But Conley had... Four catches, 49 yards, and two touchdowns. So led the team in touchdowns and also led the team with eight targets, playing 88% of the offensive snaps. So I would say if you're going to rely on one of those two players this next week, it's probably Conley. Although my guess is you're not going to really want to rely on either player because it looks like Chark may well be back in week 16. He was already back on the practice field on Monday doing cutting drills and running drills. So I think things are trending positively for him to return next week in what could probably be a really good matchup in Atlanta. And then meanwhile... For the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, despite having a fractured shoulder, he was able to return to the field this week, carry 24 times for 89 yards, and also catch two passes for 20 yards on three targets. Showed no real ill effects from the fractured shoulder, although obviously playing through a lot of pain here. That said, I think you can probably trust him in your fantasy lineups in Week 16. Tyrell Williams, just two catches for 45 yards and a touchdown on three targets. He's now had three or fewer catches in nine of his last 10 games and just caught four catches in his other game. So not somebody that's in the wide receiver two or even wide receiver three radar at this point, even with a touchdown. Darren Waller, I think, is still clearly the number one target on this team. He led the team with eight catches, 122 yards, and 10 targets this week. That actually led the team by seven targets. So he's the major guy there. Although that said, Waller may see a slight downtick in his, his volume this upcoming week with slot receiver Hunter Renfro expected to return from his uh, broken rib. Maybe you could rely on Renfro in your deeper formats. I, I sort of named him my last uh, waiver recommendation in my article on footballoutsiders.com for deeper leagues. But given that he hasn't played in about a month, that may be more of a risky gamble than you would be willing to take with uh, the title on the line. Next up, we have the Browns at Cardinals. Uh, I thought that David Njoku could potentially have a really good game here against the Cardinals. They're the number one matchup uh, for tight ends, both number 32 in DVOA and allowing 75 yards per game to the position. But Freddie Kitchens declared Njoku inactive before the game, even though Njoku was healthy. I don't think we're probably going to get an explanation of exactly what happened here, but Ricky Seals-Jones in his place stepped up with two touchdowns against those tight end-friendly Cardinals. Not much to do with that. I mean, I think we probably all missed the boat on the chance to start Seals-Jones, given the late game and the unexpected uh, inactive play there for, for Njoku. But something to keep in mind for Jacob Hollister this week, who faces those Cardinals in Week 16. Meanwhile, the fantasy story of the week was probably Kenyon Drake, 22 carries for 137 yards on, and four touchdowns. Um, he actually got a lot of work in particular because the game script favored that. The Cardinals went up big in this game, and the team had 35 carries versus just 19 targeted pass attempts. So guys like Christian Kirk didn't really do, do anything because of the game script reason. I'm not sure what the takeaway is for Drake at this point. I think it was already clear that he was the number one running back option for the Cardinals and not really in the timeshare that you would necessarily expect, given that they have David Johnson and Chase Edmonds on the team. So, I mean, continue to trust Drake probably even as a running back one in Week 16, but uh, that's that's pretty much all you can say. Hopefully you didn't have to face Drake in your fantasy uh, 
semifinals this last week. Next up, Vikings at, at Chargers. This is probably where the biggest um, news for waiver wire pur- purposes came out because Dalvin Cook injured his shoulder and left last week's game. And while there isn't any definitive updated news, Adam Schefter has apparently speculated, although not reported, that he thinks Cook may end up sitting out for the rest of the regular season as a way to rest his shoulder and, more importantly, just prepare for the the NFL playoffs. And for the fantasy playoffs, that's going to have some pretty major ramifications. It's just going to be really hard to to figure out exactly what you want to do. Through most of the season, I think it was pretty clear that rookie Alexander Madison was the handcuff, and that's who I would recommend you start for Cook if Madison is active and Cook isn't in Week 16. The problem is Madison ended up missing Week's 15 game as well because he suffered an ankle injury. Right now, it's unclear if he's going to play in Week 16. And with Madison out and then Cook getting injured this last week, Mike Boone, the third string early down back, ended up with 13 carries, 56 yards, and two touchdowns. And at this point, I think he would be fairly trustworthy to play if both Madison and Cook ended up sitting. All of this is a really a, a pretty big problem, though, because they're, the Vikings don't play until Monday Night Football against the Packers. So if you only have one or two of those guys and you have the wrong ones, you may not have a backup plan that you can rely on on Monday night. So what I would say is hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity between now and the start of Sunday's games. Maybe they'll rule out Cook ahead of time so you'll know you're only dealing with these backups. But what I would say is among any of those three running backs who is still at least questionable entering Sunday's games, I would want to own all of them on my team or I would want to have Jamal Williams from the Packers as my backup. And if I didn't have one of those two scenarios ready to go, I think I would just rely on somebody else that's playing on Sunday, even though they may have a lower ceiling than your other back. I just think it's too risky. You could end up taking a zero, for instance, if you have Mike Boone and Madison ends up returning, or if you have Madison and he ends up being inactive or Cook ends up playing. There's just a lot of scenarios here that could lead to just a, a huge crater of a fantasy floor for you in this important time. So... Try to protect yourself as best you can. If you're going to know all three backs, then perfect. You'll find one that you can definitely play. But it's definitely going to be a risk. The, the Monday night timing is just not ideal for fantasy purposes this, this week. Otherwise, for the Vikings, um, Adam Thielen returned this, this week. Three catches for 27 yards on three targets, playing 51% of the offensive snaps in his first game back since week nine. Probably isn't fully trustworthy uh, for your fantasy championship game. At this point, I would much rather rely on Stephon Diggs. For the Chargers... They got blown out in this game, in part because of Melvin Gordon, uh, who had lost two fumbles, but also because of the blowout. Melvin Gordon couldn't get a ton of work as a running back, just seven carries for 28 yards, five catches for 36 yards on seven targets. Not necessarily a short-term fantasy takeaway, but I think it's unlikely that Gordon is going to be back with the Chargers next year, just kind of a point of interest. More for fantasy purposes, in particular for Week 16, I would say that Mike Williams is coming on strong. He didn't have a touchdown over his first uh, 13 weeks this week uh, this year, but he's got touchdowns in back-to-back games. And at six foot four and 220 pounds, he's an obvious touchdown scorer. Uh, at home against the Raiders in Week 16, I think there's a good bet that he scores again. The Raiders increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 39%, second most in football, and they're bottom five in DVOA against number one and number two outside receivers. So really attractive matchup here for Mike Williams. I think he and Will Fuller are are the clear matchup plays in shallow formats at wide receiver this week. I would be happy to start either or both in my fantasy championship games. Next up, Rams at Cowboys. Another unexpected, I would say, blowout here. Um, The Rams, while getting blown out, did get a lot of work in for Tyler Higbee. 12 catches for 111 yards on 14 targets, which led the team by five. He's actually had 26 catches, 334 yards, and a touchdown on 39 targets the last three weeks 
since Gerald Everett ended up hyperextending his knee. Right now, it's unclear if Everett's going to return in Week 16. My guess is probably no, and so Higby is somebody you probably can rely on, or at least that would be the case if they didn't draw maybe the toughest matchup in football for tight ends on the road in San Francisco. The 49ers are number two in DVA defense against tight ends and allowing just 29 yards per game to the position. This is a situation where I would probably really go against the recent trends and follow the, the broader trend of the 49ers defense here and probably sit Higby even in your shallow formats here. I would much rather rely on somebody like Jacob Hollister, even though that Higby at this point would probably be rated higher from a true talent perspective. I just think the disparity of their matchups here makes it very difficult to rely on Higby when you really need that production. Meanwhile, for the Cowboys, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, just one catch apiece. I think that was entirely game script related with the Cowboys going up big in this game. They were able to carry the ball 45 times versus just 15 targeted attempts. So there really wasn't anybody in the receiving group that did well. Minus, I guess, Tavon Austin, who caught that wide open touchdown for like 50 yards, whatever it was. Okay, next up, Falcons at 49ers. Uh, Devontae Freeman, not much to report on this game, but I'll point out that he's hosting the Jaguars in Week 16, and that's not quite as good a matchup as the Panthers were for him a couple weeks ago, but the Jags are still number 31 in DVA run defense. They increased run plays by 5%, rushing yards per attempt by 14%, and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 47%. So really attractive matchup here. He'll definitely be a running back too at the very least. For this game specifically, though, Julio Jones was really the dominant story. 13 catches, 134 yards, and two touchdowns on 20 targets. That led the team by 14, so totally insane. This wasn't something that I necessarily expected, but it makes some sense in retrospect given all of the 49ers injuries. They didn't have Richard Sherman for this game. They were missing two other secondary starters. Uh, They also missed a couple of their key pass rushers like D. Ford. And so with basically just replacements in there, they just couldn't keep up with Jones. They couldn't defend them. So he did pretty much whatever he wanted and carried the Falcons to that upset win. You probably can't expect the same for Jones the rest of the season, um, but obviously he's going to continue to be a wide receiver one at the very least. Uh, Meanwhile, for the 49ers, Raheem Mostert, another nice day here, 14 for 51 in a touchdown, plus one catch for five yards. He's really taken over as almost really a workhorse back in this backfield. He played 53% of the offensive snaps versus just 30% for Tevin Coleman and 19% for Matt Breda, who's now been back for two games. So I think at this point, Mostert is the guy that you could potentially start as an RB2, um, but probably not this week, given as the Saints. It may be more of a flex type of role for him this week. And then George Kittle, 13 catches, 134 yards on 17 targets, almost Julio Jones-esque, although without the touchdowns. Like, And I don't really think this was necessarily a matchups thing either. The Falcons entered the week uh, 11th in DVOA against tight ends, allowing 51 yards per game to the position. I just think Kittle is pretty much unstoppable for anybody right now, and so I think you're playing him no matter what, regardless of matchup. Next up, we have the Sunday night game of the Bills at the Steelers. Josh Allen, just 13 for 25 passing for 139 yards, one touchdown and one pick, but did run in a touchdown to salvage his fantasy day. He's run in a lot of touchdowns this year and last year, so that, that salvages a lot of bad passing performances for him. But I will say that he's showing pretty marked splits based on the passing the deep, the quality of his opposing, opposing passing DVOA teams. Sorry, that was a bit of a tongue twister there. And that's really important because in Week 16, he plays the Patriots, who were the number one DVOA pass defense. They decreased passing yards per attempt by 19%, the most in football, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 40%, the second most in football. 
So I would say if you can avoid it, I would probably leave Allen on your benches again in week 16. Maybe he'll run in a touchdown to salvage his day, but if he doesn't do that, it could be really bad. And I bet I won't have him in my top 20 of the position this week. For the Steelers, James Conner returned for this week, took eight of the team's 14 running back carries, produced 42 yards, did a little bit better with four catches, nine yards, and a touchdown in the air. Although maybe not somebody you're thinking of as a running back uh, one right now, maybe more of a running back two, given the workload split that's happening there. And then Juju Smith-Schuster, he didn't play this week because of a knee injury. Unclear if he'll return in week 16. I would say if he misses, you can probably continue to ride James Washington in fantasy. But if Smith-Schuster comes back, there may be a a bit too many mouths to feed to rely on any one of them with with Devlin Hodges in at quarterback. And then finally, the Monday night game between the Colts and the Saints. Saints really dominated this one. Marlon Mack limited to just 11 carries for 19 yards and just uh, no targets on the day. But I think he'll have a much, much better day in Week 16 against the Panthers. I just pointed out how great of a matchup they were. But they're again, they're number 32 in DVA run defense, increased rushing yards per attempt by 22%, and touchdowns per attempt by 148%. I think Mac is likely going to be a top five option for me this week and a definite uh, person to include in all your DFS lineups. And then all, otherwise for the Colts, I think the surprise here was that T.Y. Hilton was active. He didn't do much through the air, four for 25, but no one on the Colts did. And he did lead the team with nine targets. So you can probably go back to relying on him next week as well. And then finally, Drew Brees, unbelievable day, 29 of 30 passing, 307 yards, four touchdowns, broke multiple career types of records during the game. And so this was just a total celebration. He's actually been exceptional the last two weeks, throwing for 656 yards and nine total touchdowns. And I'm going to say all of that because I actually think you should bench him next week. I know that sounds insane based on how well he's playing right now. But he's playing on the road in Tennessee. And while Tennessee isn't necessarily an exceptional pass defense, they cut passing touchdowns per attempt by 5%. It's just that Breeze has been so much better at home than on the road, more so even this year than he has been in recent season. This year, he's averaging 333 yards, 2.8 touchdowns, and 0.5 interceptions at home, adding up to 24.7 fantasy points per game, while on the road averaging just 150 yards, 1.3 touchdowns, and 0.3 interceptions, adding up to 10.6 fantasy points per game. Like, I don't think he's a true talent, 14 fantasy points per game difference at home on the road type of player, but over the extended trend of several years, he's still averaging about six more fantasy points per game at home than on the road. So I honestly think he's more of a QB2 next week, moving away from New Orleans for the first time in a few games. And maybe I can't talk you into it, but I would really bench him um, for some guys with better matchups this week. It's going to be a risk, but I think it's one that I would make. Okay, that's going to do it for this Tuesday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. So please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't done so already. Meanwhile, come back in two days to hear my thoughts on the best and worst matchups for Week 16. I'll give you a little bit of an update then on where I have Drew Brees ranked for the week. Okay, so thank you, and I will plan to talk to you then. 